Sergeant, under no circumstances are you given leave to die. That's an order. One I expect you to obey for a change. another episode of the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content in the Indiana Jones Universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 29, in which today we're continuing our discussion and exploration of the young Indiana Jones television series with chapter 11, Oganga the Giver and Taker of Life. Uh, Indy and Remy continue fighting with the Belgian army in Africa, and this time they are tasked with going to get a shipment of weapons all the way across uh, the other side of Africa. And in the process, Indy kind of learns these themes of duty versus honor and humanity uh, as he has some kind of confrontations with uh, his superior officer as they find a lost boy. Uh, and they kind of decide whether to bring him along with them on their journey or just leave him behind. Uh, and that transitions into the second half in which Indy uh, learns a little bit more about humanity as a soldier as he meets historical figure Albert Schweitzer on uh, the second half and learns uh, all about what he is doing uh, to help the people in Africa. So this is one of the more emotional and kind of very different style episodes than what we've seen so far. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into this one, shall we? Yes, we shall. Now, I love this episode, personally. It's a very great episode, especially considering the start and finish of this episode are much different than the other ones, which, personally, is not what I like about this episode, but we start off with some black and white images of, uh, you know, people on the battlefield. It's not film yet, it's just black and white still images, and then it, the text comes up on the screen saying, Oh, Gunga, the giver and taker of life. Right, and like you said, it's a little bit different, because usually we, like, jump right into the action or something like that, here we actually start with black and white images, which is usually what we end the episode with. And what I like about this too, is it starts from kind of these black and white images um, to actually black and white film, which then transitions into color and then goes into the first battle. So really kind of creative idea on the editing. Um, these two episodes when they originally aired, uh, it was German East Africa and Congo. And both of them were actually meant to be aired as a two-part story. So that's why actually when you watch this episode, uh, the, the transition is basically seamless. Um, this wasn't a TV movie, but it was meant to be a two-part story. So uh, that's why this works really well together. And also something that's really cool that I learned. Supposedly, the original uh, kind of opening battle here was a lot shorter. And they actually extended it for the re-edits. And that's why actually you hear some uh, music from the Phantom Train of Doom. Uh, because they reuse some of the music to kind of extend uh, the time for the opening battle, which is I thought was really cool. That is very interesting. I did not actually know that. That's a very interesting fact. I mean, I, I would have assumed it doesn't even look like they extended it. It looks like it's, you know, a regular battle, but that's very interesting to f figure out. Yeah, and kind of setting up for this battle, we have a totally different feel, uh, kind of the opening of this episode, and I like the opening shot of Indy running, uh, with everyone behind him, because it looks like he's kind of in command. And throughout this whole battle, you know, Indy is kind of in a very sort of different role than what we've seen him pass into the Belgian army, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
you know, he's acting like he's in command, he's, you know, taking control, basically, of, you know, his war life, which is very, very, very interesting, and really gives, you know, Indy that, you know, uh, that, I guess, that indie adventure feel, you could say, you know, he's in charge, right. you know, like, obviously, that's not exactly the best idea, considering what happens next, but yeah. Right, and so you have this whole opening battle, which is super cool, um, and you'll notice that uh, the Germans uh, wait until they get closer and closer and closer, um, which is cool. And then they unveil, of course, uh, the machine gun, which is obviously we've seen in so many of these episodes. Um, and they have this whole idea of kind of hiding behind the trench. And so we see Indy and the rest of them advance. But once they actually, you know, kind of unveil this machine gun right there, um, Major Boucher uh, tells the entire company to fall back. But Indy notices the, that the machine gun actually jams and sees an opportunity to advance, which is where things kind of get interesting and goes, I think, I guess, with like Indy's persona of like being like kind of like a swashbuckler and kind of like, uh, you know, kind of a hard and, you know, uh, tough guy who's going to, you know, really go after any chance he gets. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it really is that, you know, persevering forward no matter what happens kind of feel. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so... After Indy, you know, perseveres, he actually gets shot, which, you know, is like, that's like the big climax or turning point for this scene here, right? Because, you know, he's the main character and he's gotten shot and he's just laying there on the battlefield. We're like, oh my gosh, didn't he just die? You know, we don't really know what happened. Absolutely. And it's kind of, a. I, I was actually surprised by this the first time I watched this. And even when I watched the show, uh, just to prepare for this episode here, I was like, wow, I completely forgot about that. Uh, he actually gets shot and there he gets uh, kind of that indent in the locket, which I thought was super cool that, you know, it's kind of that lucky shot, of course, very unrealistic, but still kind of a cool idea to have it. Um, and, you know, he looks at the locket and you can see kind of the indent of the bullet there and they charge forward um, and go right in. And one of the things I wanted to mention too, Indy seems very fierce in this. Um, and you can kind of tell that from the beginning too. Like, so one of those things, especially when he, you know, goes to get the machine gun, we also see that. Um, and he takes control of it. Um, and one of the things I also like about this, as we kind of, you know, move forward through this battle, we see these great scenes that, you know, we've seen from Trenches of Hell and Demons of Deception. Uh, we see it here in Oganga too. One of the things, though, that's kind of cool about this, that I like, that I feel like they did this on purpose, um, this opening battle here, I think, uh, is a great contradiction to what actually happens at the end of the episode. And I like that they did that. Yeah, definitely. As you'll see later, it definitely is a great contradiction, you know, because I guess the second part is kind of like a reverse of the first part of the episode, almost. Right, exactly. Kind of that same idea of, you know, these themes that reoccur throughout the episode. And then they actually um, really kind of go and and there's this last scene where Major Boucher is uh, pretty upset as he looks at Indy, you know, as uh, Indy finally takes charge of the machine gun and they've, you know, pushed the German... Uh, push the German uh, defenses back in that area, which transitions into the next scene uh, that we see with Major Boucher, Indy, uh, and the Colonel. Yeah, Major Boucher, as we'll see throughout this episode, is not exactly the uh, nicest of people. <laughs> right, he's not the nicest guy in the bunch. <laughs> right, uh, he's he's kind of almost the, he's, you know what, not kind of, he is the opposite of Indy. He's very safe and very strict. Indy is kind of a let loose, kind of uh, laid back guy, you know? Right, yeah, I think that's definitely kind of fair. And um, I, if we transition into this, you know, scene here where, uh, you know, Major Boucher is clearly upset, you know, why did you disobey my orders and all that? Uh, but then we realize that they actually get a company citation 
and Indy gets a promotion to captain and is now known as Captain Defense through the rest of the episode. And I also kind of like how I, I find it funny every time they call him Captain Defense because back in uh, Chapter 7, Love Sweet Song, when they actually uh, go to enlist in the Belgian army and Indy just decided to make a game out of it and, you know, lie that he was, you know, uh, not Henry Jones and instead this, you know, guy Henri Defense and he had to stick with that throughout the entire show. It's hilarious. Yeah, it is, because, you know, we know, I mean, we've we've watched the, all these episodes before, right? And so we always refer to him as Captain Defonce, or Henry, Henry Defonce, but really only, I mean, th this is Ogaga, episode uh, 10 or 11, I can't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, he's known Captain Defonce throughout the rest of the war years, which is very, very interesting. And, you know, the Captain promotion, that's really a big thing for Indy because you know he's he's expecting he's going to get you know either charges against him or he's going to you know kicked out of the Belgian army or something but no 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 he's just getting a promotion for uh, disobeying uh, Major Boucher's orders no biggie there <laughs> right exactly i mean that's the kind of big surprise there and with that Indy gets not only you know a captain promotion but also this special assignment um, as they talk about this shipment of weapons that has kind of gone missing and they have actually located it in Cape Lopez, which is like across the other side of the Congo. So um, they are paired together, Major Boucher and Indy. There's actually kind of this interesting conversation uh, when Indy talks to the colonel and asks actually why that they were paired together. Right. And, you know, the colonel kind of explains to them that, you know, he's like, Captain Defense, you could learn a few things from Major Boucher, and Major Boucher could learn a couple things from you, you know, basically, is what he says. They're going to learn things from each other and, you know, kind of get on the same level. Like, Indy could learn some discipline, and the other guy could learn some, um, learn how to be just a little bit more relaxed about stuff, you know? Right, and have that sort of edge to him and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and I like that they had that sort of, again, giving Indy a lot of, like, characterization here. There was a lot of, like... Um, a lot of character development throughout this entire episode, really. I mean, when I look at this one, like, some of these other episodes, you know, were just fun, great indie adventures. But this one, like, indie actually really kind of, I think, learns a big lesson in this, which is really cool. Um, and I like that a lot. So um, then they actually, and we kind of transition into the scene um, where India is supposedly thought of as a god here because he supposedly um, dies and then comes back to life because he got lucky and got shot in the locket. Uh, you know, which I thought was kind of a cool scene. And that also transitioned to the next scene when uh, Major Boucher says, congrats. And he says, yeah, I'm getting us almost all killed, right? So there's this whole kind of, again, you, you think, you know, Indy was going to get some sort of congratulations from, you know, uh, Major Boucher. But clearly, you know, he's still very stern about stuff. Well, I mean, it's Major Boucher. And as you'll see throughout the episode, he never really lightens up. He does learn a few, quite a few things from Indy and as Indy learns from him. But he, he's still very, very uptight. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to really talk about this next scene when Indy actually looks at the locket. Um, and I just wanted to kind of, you know, since we obviously love the expanded universe here, I wanted to kind of bring up this conversation of who is pictured in that locket. And um, at first, uh, I was like, wait a second, it didn't really look familiar to me who that was. So I came up with a few theories, maybe. Um, the, the first one I think that might be the most obvious one is uh, Sophie from Perils of Cupid. Um, because if you remember, they actually exchanged gifts and Indy gets a locket. Yeah, that's very interesting. I actually thought that too, but I also, it's highly unlikely, but it could be Indy's sister. 
Yes, uh, Indy supposedly had a sister at one point, which is referenced just barely throughout the Indy universe. But uh, I think it's mentioned in the Lost Journal of Indiana Jones. And also, I think we heard about it in Chapter 5, Journey of Radiance as well. Now, supposedly, it's, it's never known like how long his sister actually lived um, because you know, whoever's in the photo looks pretty grown up or, you know, I think that would have been an appropriate age for Sophie. Um, but yeah, really cool. The, the one thing I think that makes that even cooler is, um, for those of you who are familiar with the original airing of the show, um, Perils of Cupid, which was Vienna 1908, uh, aired way later than the original two halves for Oganga, meaning that they really would have had to plan in advance for this and actually we talked about this last week in the trailers episode how the trailer did kind of like encompass a lot of the episodes in the show so do you think that they like planned this on purpose and just threw that little hint in there you know way before that that episode actually went on in the air possibly i mean i another theory is that they actually recorded you know uh this way but you know they recorded uh what do you call it perils of cupid way before they uh aired this one or that way before this one was filmed and so even though you know perils of cupid was aired later this could possibly be you know when they re-edited it that it or it was originally filmed that way you know yeah kind of an interesting thought but um, I, I just liked how the locket was referenced because it, you know, it, it clearly never really comes up that much else anywhere else. So um, I liked that that was brought up. And uh, we transitioned into the morning, and I just wanted to mention that I love these shots of the sunrise and the sunset. We saw a lot of it in Phantom Train of Doom. They really, I mean, captured some really great stuff on location. I mean, just from everything, you know, all the little things. I mean, really a great job. Definitely, yes. I mean, they couldn't have done a better job doing that. Just so perfect, you know? Yeah, I mean, it really, you know, you're talking like the African safari in the morning, you got that great sunset in the background, like, oh, I love how they really just wanted to get that authenticity and capture it. And we move into also some other great shots of uh, Indy and the rest of the Belgian army going on this basically huge desert trek, or as um, Indy calls it to Remy, uh, a hike in the park. Um, you know, they have this huge trek and um we see all these great shots of them moving uh you know through the forest and then taking a boat at some times taking a train and throughout this whole process india is writing to ned uh and writing a lot of letters which we have seen previously right i mean we uh first saw t.e lawrence aka ned in um my first adventure so definitely a throwback reference there to you know the first episode which is very 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 interesting you know because that really signifies how Indy and Ned's, you know, friendship has, you know, persevered through all these years because, you know, between him being Cory Carrier and now him being, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery, like 16, 17 years old, right? He's, you know, much, much older now than he was back then. And it's very, very, you know, interesting there. Yeah, I, I like how they had sort of Ned as kind of that guy who, you know, Indy kind of writes to, but we never see kind of like a little bit like, um, I guess like, Abner Ravenwood in a sense in the point where like um we we you know he's we see him once and then you know he writes to him and that kind of thing um so I like that they added that as well and um he explains you know this whole sort of idea of you know how his situation is going in the Belgian army and we learn a little bit about what Ned has been doing too uh you know because Indy references you know uh the letters that uh, Ned has actually wrote to Indy himself so really cool scene there and we transition into, you know, when they find this camp and no one is basically there. Right. They find this, you know, supposedly deserted camp, right? 
and they're like, well, what happened? Is it, you know, they're, they're, you know, in scoping it out, they're like, well, is it a German camp? And, you know, uh, Major Boucher is like, no, it's too far south for that. So they go down, and there's still no one there. So they're, you know, kind of looking around trying to figure out what the heck happened here. Right, and so it turns out that there was actually just kind of like a wave of, like, smallpox that swept through this kind of area. But they find... Uh, a boy, or Sergeant Bartleby finds a boy um, kind of alone uh, over here, and it's and this is what kind of we see the tension starting to arise between Major Boucher and um, Indy, as Indy and Sergeant Bartleby are like, oh, look, it's a boy, let's bring him along, you know, he can't care for himself, right? We can't just leave him here. And Major Boucher is like, well, he's kind of worried just about the men, like... Right, and you know, they end up bringing him along, right, to the next, to their camp for the night, because, you know, there's no way he can care for himself, whether or not Major Boucher says or not. They, and Indy even says, you know, you shouldn't bring him along. I have my orders. Yet they bring him along anyway, which Indy finds out when they're at the camp that night. Right. And I really like, the, there's a quote here that Indy uses that actually um, is kind of used back on him at the end of the episode, which I thought really clever in terms of the dialogue here in the, in the script writing. Um, he says, orders are orders. And we actually hear that um, from someone back at headquarters when Indy and Remy, um, you know, at the kind of the end of the episode there, he says, orders are orders to Sergeant Bartleby. And, he's, and so this is the first example of many in which Indy is kind of, you know, uh, has these kind of conflicting ideas of, okay, my duty as a soldier, do what I'm told to do. But what about the good of humanity? And how does that come in? And how do I, you know, differentiate like what I really should do versus what Major Boucher is telling me to do? Right. Well, I mean, this is really just the, this is really just, you know, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Major Boucher being very, very, you know, self-absorbed. Well, self-absorbed not exactly, but self-absorbed with his men, I guess you could say. Only focusing on his men, nothing else. You know, Merce, at the death of Mercy, all he was doing is protecting his men, right? Right, exactly. And Indy kind of realizes that there's just more to that. There's more to this journey than that. And this is, I guess, what goes kind of with also the discussions that he has with Albert Schweitzer later in the episode. And also, like, you know, wh why am I really fighting this war? Kind of the idea of duty as a soldier. And that kind of transitions actually pretty well into the next sort of episode where they find the camp. And they actually realize um, that, you know, they brought, the, they brought the kid. And Indy's clearly upset, you know, as much as he wants to save the kid, you know, he's upset. Like, why did you bring the kid? You know, we're going to get in so much trouble for this. So he actually goes to Major Boucher, and India is obviously torn between what he should do, so he lies about it. And this is a really, again, another scene kind of really focusing on Major Boucher and his kind of character and personality. Right. I mean, he lies in the sense of how the kid got there, but not as... Like, he doesn't say, oh, everything's fine, there's no kid here, right? But he does, you know, admit to Major Boucher, the kid is here, he followed us, though. Which, obviously, we know is not true, because uh, the sergeant actually brought him, right? So, uh, it's very, very interesting, because that's just... That's the way it is, you know? I mean, and so... Basically, you know, Major Boucher is like, I don't care, he's not coming along with us. Tie him to a tree if you have to. Which I know. Is very, very cruel. And I'm like, whoa. Right, it's it's a horrible thing to say that. I mean that it was like that to me was like the tipping point, like, wow, this guy's like really kind of stubborn and like this is not not okay. So it, then we hit transition to this next scene in which Sergeant Bartleby, you know, kind of discusses a little bit of this idea of Major Boucher being evil. 
and he only cares about his people and not anyone else, which I thought was, you know, a pretty accurate quote. But then there's a really cool kind of way, Indy references this in his letter to Ned, you know, kind of the next day as a um, lesson in political science. Um, he says, he, he kind of learns that the idea like, um, for Sergeant Bartlemy and, you know, everyone who's been living in Africa, the, this idea of the Germans versus the Belgians or the French or anything, it, it doesn't matter to them because whatever happens, someone is going to take Africa and own the country. They want to be independent. So this whole idea of, you know, India is like, the Germans are terrible, we got to defeat them. Well, Sergeant Bartlemy is like, okay, well, if you defeat them, then the Belgians are in charge of Africa. What does that matter? So this whole kind of scene and idea of him wanting to actually keep the child so he can grow up and he can be, you know, the next generation of people who fight for the independence of, you know, Africa. So really kind of cool scene that, again, another idea that changes Indy's views on this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is, it really does change Indy's view. And we'll see that in the next scene, which is uh, after the small Christmas scene where they are, um, you know, kind of huddled. It's Christmas Eve, right? And he's writing to Ned even more. Right. And there's this actually really great scene before that, um, which is really, really cool because we see Boucher finds out that the child is still there and he's clearly very upset. Um, and there's this whole really well done scene um, in which uh, they start moving out and the sergeant insists that the child comes with them. And he actually tells Indy to draw his weapon and shoot Sergeant Bartlemy if he doesn't hand over the child. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. He does. You know, this is a very interesting scene, mainly because, you know, this is the first time we see someone stand up to, you know, uh, Major Boucher, right? You know, everybody starts stepping forward with uh, Sergeant Bartlemy, right? It really, um, it really, Major Boucher's like, I'll have you all killed. You know, he's like, he's, he's, you can obviously tell he's getting very, very angry, right? And, you know, he's like, Fine, and he pulls out his gun and aims it at the kid, right? And he says this quote, which I thought um, was, you know, very interesting. He's like, you don't, you think you can test me? Like, I'll shoot every last man. And so this is kind of this idea of Indy, you know, says this thing. He's like, uh, you know, you're being irrational. You know, emotions are clouding your judgment. And there's this whole scene where Indy kind of stands up to him and realizes, again, this kind of thing that we've been alluding to so far of duty versus humanity. And this is where he comes out on top and, you know, kind of tells Boucher that this is not right and we got to do something different. So really, really well done scene in terms of kind of Indy versus, versus Boucher. You know, it's not like a fist fight, right? We don't have like Indy action, but in a sense, it's Boucher versus Indy here. And there's that kind of like sense of uh, a battle in this sort of like dialogue that's going on between them. Right, and at the end of this scene, you know, since they have to bring the kid along because Indy otherwise will shoot Major Boucher, um, you know, Major Boucher's like, I'll have you in front of a firing squad, you know, like, whoa, you know, kind of a big step there. Major Boucher is obviously really angry and really not very happy at the moment. Right, and in, in the process of that, though, you have Indy showing a lot of maturity, which I think is one of the things that I think I took away from this episode. Um, you know, you don't have like a lot of like things that say, oh, my gosh, this is an Indiana Jones movie. Like this episode definitely is on the more emotional side and, you know, focus a little bit more on the history and that sort of thing. But when you really look at this and I look at like characterization and like personality and stuff, I mean, this is an episode where Indy, like I feel like matures a lot. And we actually see I feel like 
in, in, in a sense, you can almost like infer this, or if you were to really kind of break down the movies, like this sort of lesson, especially coming off like some of these other war episodes and like Phantom Train, for example, uh, when, you know, Indy wasn't, we, we kind of claimed in, in, the, in when we talked about that episode that he was a little bit immature a little bit in that episode. This, I think definitely, um, we see him mature a lot. And definitely, I think there's a lot of um, sort of things that happen here, I think that shape him as a person that I think transforms into the Harrison Ford that we see in the movie, even though he's kind of like a tough guy and a swashbuckler, you still kind of see that sense of um, maturity and those lessons that he's learned from this episode in the movies. Right, definitely. I mean, we do definitely see him mature a lot in this episode, you know, even just from the beginning where he, you know, he's defying his, you know, uh, his major's orders, right? You know, he's defying the orders of it no matter what, you know, he's doesn't matter what the major says, I'm going to do what I think is best, which in the end obviously turns out pretty okay, at least in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, kind of transitioning into the next thing, big thing that happens here is uh, they arrive in this village and now they're going to rent a boat uh, to go to travel to Port Gentil. And uh, again, Indy begins writing these letters to Ned, uh, which I, I like that they include this in a variety of spots in the episode. Yeah, definitely. They do. I mean, I really, it really adds to that of Indy being very, very mature. You know, he's writing to his friend. He, you know, he's he's keeping tabs on what is going on really in the in the outside world. Even though, you know, something that I find this is kind of a, like a little side note on that. I don't know how he would get the letters to Ned because, you know, people in the war move around a lot. So I guess they would send them to wherever his home base is. Yeah, interesting there. We see at the end that he, when he goes back to headquarters or, you know, wherever he is at the end there, kind of interesting that they keep exchanging all these letters back and forth. Kind of a cool point there. And another thing I like, too, is for um, us indie enthusiasts, of course, I love how, of course, we are seeing the indie journal being put to good use, as you could say, uh, as <laughs> he writes all these sort of letters uh, to Ned and, you know, he has them in the journal and then, you know, I guess rips out a page or something and mails it off. And so really like that as well, kind of that, you know, indie hint in there. Um, and then we transition to this next scene where uh, we have this kind of group of people that start actually shooting at the boat. Oh, yes, right. And they're like, is it Germans? And they're like, no, it's deserters, right? It's people who have deserted and they've kind of formed their own mini army, right? And, you know, they when they figure out that Sergeant Bartlemy has been shot, right? And that he's, he's, he's the one steering the boat, right? And he's steering them directly towards the deserters. Right, and there's this great scene here where uh, the little boy actually gets, um, like, the rudder, I guess you could say, and turns the boat all the way away from them, and they stop shooting there. And there's this scene where, uh, you know, Major Boucher looks at him, and he's like, wow. Like, uh, I forgot the exact quote, but it's an awesome scene there where kind of, you know, the boy is just standing there, and you can see Major Boucher, like, looking right at him, and he's like, wow, okay, is this boy actually did save us in the end in some sort of, you know, small way, but I mean, it was clearly, I mean, you know, kind of a, a really great scene there. Yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously, you know, Indy's not going to give up on that kid, and I guess Major Boucher now, you know, kind of has come into his, sense, his senses, at least for a minute, and he's like, wow, I think it was a good idea, maybe it was a good idea to keep this kid on our ship, you know, and bring us along with him, right? And, you know, they finally spot their destination because right. of the kid. They don't just get shot down and the entire crew is gone. No, they, once the, since the little boy saved them, they they spot land and they cheer, right? Right. There's this whole scene when they're all kind of sitting there. And one of the things that I thought was um, kind of interesting that was also mentioned in these letters to Ned is this idea of, like, 
how unbearable the heat is and how that is almost like another horror of fighting in this war. Like just like just the idea of like trekking across the desert, like that is also like something that's so hard about this. And, you know, because we see them all in this boat, like all of them obviously are super dehydrated, not feeling well. And and you've got this one soldier who spots Port Gentil and, you know, he starts screaming and everyone's so excited and, and that sort of thing. And a great scene. And then transition into this, you know, uh, little kind of dialogue conversation here with Major Boucher that I thought was really interesting. He tells Indy that he is in command now. Um, and instead of kind of lightening up and, you know, kind of saying, uh, Indy, you were right the whole time or anything like that, the last thing he says is, you're not a good captain. You're not fit to command these men. And that's it. And th those are the last words he says to Indy. And I thought it was very interesting that they chose to kind of give him this idea or, you know, give sort of um, Boucher this kind of personality instead of, you know, making him kind of like super, you know, nice at the end or like making up with Indy and that sort of thing. And like, oh, you were right or whatever. Uh, no, they just keep him very stone cold. Last thing he says is clearly not a compliment to Indy at all. Right, definitely. I mean, it is definitely not a compliment, but it's definitely, you know, it's something. I don't know what I would call it. I, I don't know if I would call it a compliment or an insult for Major Boucher. Because we don't really know what a, what a compliment from Major Boucher looks like. Right, so this whole kind of idea of, like, very interesting in terms of, like, this relationship between these two characters. Um, which then kind of transitions into the next scene when uh, they actually arrive uh, in the village and bring the boy to the hospital. And it turns out he was fine the whole time. So they go to tell Sergeant Bartleby, and it turns out he's actually passed away from the shot that he got earlier on the boat. Right, which is very, very sad, and they ask, you know, what's the kid's name, and there, and Indy looks at, you know, Sergeant Bartleby, and he's like, Bartleby, which I think is a really awesome and very emotional scene, because, you know, they're naming the kid after his best friend, his only friend, you know? Right, and I love also the scene, too, when uh, he talks to the nurse and he says, uh, can you tell this to the boy? And he tells uh, the boy and the nurse the exact same uh, kind of idea or, you know, quote and conversation that Sergeant Bartleby had with the kid originally. And I thought that, that was great, you know, kind of this whole idea of Sergeant Bartleby was a great character and kind of that legacy is living on with the kid who's been there the whole time. Really, really great scene there. Um, very well done. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a really emotional scene. And I, you know, because Indy obviously doesn't speak the language of the boy, he asks, you know, the nurse to tell him, you know, how great of a friend he had, you know, you know, the sergeant who saved his life, right? You know, he saved him, defying all odds, you know, he could have been shot, he could have been killed. And in the end, Sergeant Bartleby did, obviously it wasn't from Major Boucher, but, um, you know, he basically sacrificed his life to save that kid, right? And right. the kid sacrificed his life to save the rest of the crew. Absolutely. I mean, totally. I, I really think that that's a great, you know, kind of representation of what that is. And I think this scene was just really, really well done. And um, kind of after that abrupt ending, we transition into the next scene here. Yeah, we do. And it's, you know, Indy's like, well, now I'm in command. And he tells Remy to load the boat, right? You know, then, Re you know, Remy's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, he's defying Indy, who is his, you know, head commander here. Yeah, and there's this whole scene um, where they go and ask for more men. Because uh, remember, another thing is they basically lost their entire crew. I mean, they had this huge crew of soldiers at the beginning. Um, and at the end, there was like just a few of them on the boat left. So, you know, this clearly is a high stakes mission. Major Boucher is counting on him. 
And he's like, we need more men. And they won't give any, you know, they're, they're not going to send anyone else to help him. So Indy just is like, you know what, forget it. We're going to go back down the river. And like you said, Remy's upset. He's like, we're not doing that again. You, I mean, that's going to take miles and miles to get there. And there's this hilarious scene where, uh, you know, Remy says, okay, you know what, uh, fine, I'll go, uh, I'll, you know, I'll go to the boat. Um, and he gives, you know, he punches Indy, a classic Indy punch. And he says, uh, yes, Captain Sir, right away. Uh, and <laughs> hilarious scene right there. And I love also what the guy says after it. Yeah, I mean, he's he comes up and he's like, what was that? And he's like, Indy's like, it's a Belgian salute. And I'm like, <laughs> I just start laughing because that is so hilarious. Right. I mean, that's definitely something Indy would say, too. Like, just a hilarious scene. I love that they had to include that there as well. I mean, that really shows that even though Indy is in command, he's very stern, which is very uh, different from what we've seen throughout the rest of the episode, right? You, you know that Indy still has some humor left in him, right? He still is friends with Remy. He's not going to, you know, give up on Remy. Right. And so they continue down the river, and the uh, Germans actually take over the boat and take Indy to this village. And at first, uh, they think they're being captured. Again, this is kind of going back to what we said earlier, um, which is kind of a new kind of perspective and theme that we see here. How, you know, even though Albert Schweitzer turns out to be a German, um, and India first, you know, thinks that that's the case. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting captured by these Germans, you know. Uh, meanwhile, Albert, Sch Albert Schweitzer basically revived as Indy, basically. I mean, Indy was, you know, obviously had some sort of heat stroke or something. And this whole kind of idea of, you know, even though I'm German, you know, Albert Schweitzer turns out to be just here helping everyone who needs it. Right, definitely. I mean, Albert Schweitzer turns out to be almost the staple of the entire second half of the episode, right? I mean, after their destination, Albert Schweitzer, you know, turns out, I mean, it, it almost, Albert Schweitzer turns out to be the, uh, I, I don't remember if it was a captain or something from the end of the last Phantom Train of Doom where they're, you know, it's a German and Indy and they both go our separate ways and just say, you know what, we'll settle the... Um, we'll probably each be captured by each other's army at some point again, right? Oh, right. That's a really good uh, reference to the last episode, which is very similar to this section with Albert Schweitzer here. Um, like you were saying, there's this whole kind of scene where they're like, um, you know, let's just call it even, right? I'm not going to turn you in. You're not going to turn me in, right? With uh, Colonel Von Leto at the end there. Same kind of idea here that we see uh, at the end here where Indy first suspects something's bad with, you know, Albert Schweitzer, but then, uh, of course, he just realizes he's helping him. And... That's when Indy actually escapes from the village onto the boat because he thinks he's being captured. And uh, the whole shipment of guns is really what he's here for. And he thinks that Albert Schweitzer is supposedly going to take them or something. So uh, there's this whole scene where Schweitzer comes down and uh, his wife also brings him tea. Right. And, you know, that really is like, that really is after, you know, he drinks the tea and talks with Albert Schweitzer's wife for a minute. You know, he's like, that's really when Indy starts to come to his senses and realizes you know, oh gosh, they're not trying to take it. They're really actually trying to help me and my crew, right? It's really when Indy, you know, kind of starts to trust Albert Schweitzer. And, you know, as we see, you know, Indy really makes a really great friendship with Albert Schweitzer throughout the second half of the episode here. Yeah, and we, we see that really uh, right when Indy wakes up and starts kind of observing this entire kind of like, uh, set up and observation, you know, he, he observes like uh, this whole hospital that Albert Schweitzer has created and he notices how, you know, Schweitzer is kind of helping everyone and there's this great, you know, uh, piece of music by J.S. Bach that's playing in the background and really, really nice and uh, which transitions into, uh, the music actually transitions into uh, Schweitzer playing piano at his own house, which I thought was kind of a cool way that they did that. 
And then we get to the scene where um, Indy, you know, talks with him as, you know, Schweitzer's playing the piano and wonders, like, why, why are you, like, why are you here, you know? Right, like, you know, Indy's like, why are you, why did you save me, almost, you know? He's like, what, 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 what was your point here? Why did you save me, right? Which is really very interesting, in my opinion, you know? I really did not expect that here, but, I mean, I guess that does end up, you know, almost happening here, you know? Because he's like, well, I saved you because, just because, almost, you know, I did. That's what I do. I don't know how to explain it. It's just very, very emotional. And then Indy, you know, starts playing the piano with Schweitzer. Right. And there's this whole great conversation that, you know, his wife explains, like, he's been like some like, uh, you know, famous like pianist and like, uh, he's got like three degrees and he's like written books. And so Indy's like, yeah, like, why are you out here? And he's like, because it's needed. I'm doing it for the good of humanity. And then it transitions this great scene where Indy and uh, Schweitzer are just having the time of their lives playing piano out there. And uh, really, really great scene there when they're playing piano together. It's, it's really fun. Um, and this is kind of when I feel like Indy kind of sees the difference um, between like what side you're on and just like, I guess like good people, you know what I mean? Cause like, you know, and, and we see this at the end of the episode, you know, uh, where the, you know, the guy, uh, from French intelligence comes and he's like, uh, you know, we got to get rid of Albert Schweitzer. He's got to go. He's German. And Indy's like, well, he's, he's a good person, kind of like a reverse kind of situation there, because that's exactly what Indy thought at the beginning. Right. I mean, you know, that is, and you know, obviously he's changed his mind now that he's, you know, He's become friends with Albert Schweitzer and learning lots of great things from him, lots of great wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. And we transition to this next scene in which we, we see some, you know, people uh, come to the this kind of area here and explain that the chief's son is dying. And Indy actually offers his boat and Schweitzer and Indy uh, go down the river again to go there. And there's this whole kind of conversation here where Schweitzer kind of tells Indy what he thinks of the war efforts and these idea of duty and the war has kind of changed our views a little bit. Right, you know, this is his really very deep conversation with Schweitzer, you know? Yeah, and I like here too how uh, there's this kind of idea here that in a, in a Indy kind of learns from Schweitzer that um, he, he has this kind of really cool, like, me I guess metaphor you could say, um, in which he's like, you know, what would you do if someone um, came in your house and just stole all your stuff? And he's like, well, that's wrong, you know, you shouldn't do that. And then he's like, okay, well, if government, if the government decides to go into another country and take their things and sacrifice human lives, how come millions of people uh, decide to serve in the war? And we think that this is a great thing. And so this is, again, going off of that idea with earlier with Major Boucher, how Indy kind of realizes, like, what, what is it I'm actually doing here? It really is. It's very, very interesting. And I just think just such a great, you know, emotional conversation that, you know, Indy has with Schweitzer, you know, yeah, definitely. And we even see that in the next scene here when um, they arrive at the village and he actually does heal the sun. And that's when he explains what Oganga means, the giver and taker of life, uh, that when he, he puts a patient under, they think that um, he's taking the life. And then uh, when, you know, they're kind of revived, he's bringing it back. So the giver and taker of life. Really cool that that's explained there. Um, and as they head back, there's another discussion uh, that's really, really powerful. Really great dialogue here, by the way, by Frank Darabont, one of the probably well-known writers that worked on this show. I mean, just really, really well done dialogue here as uh, there's this conversation about kind of the reverence for life and the idea of helping others live. 
Right, you know, definitely a great dialogue. Almost, you know, this has got to be one of the best dialogues, especially for a second half of the episode. You know, a lot of second halves of these episodes that we reviewed in the past are not exactly the best, but this one is almost better than the first one. Now, something I wanted to mention about Oganga. When I first watched this episode, you know, about a year ago, I thought Oganga was an actual person, but no, it's more of a theory. Yeah, it's more of kind of like a saying, which is interesting. And I like how they also... Uh, that was the title of this episode, um, because really kind of interesting idea to pair Albert Schweitzer with Oganga, the giver and taker of life. I, I'm actually not familiar if that actually was his real sort of nickname or something. I've never actually kind of looked into that, but really interesting, especially considering Albert Schweitzer, like very underrated kind of historical figure here. Really interesting to kind of shed light on this sort of uh, idea of World War One and Indy being involved in this discussion for reverence for life. And, you know, this third conversation that he has with Albert Schweitzer, just this, you know, very deep conversation that you were saying, you know, kind of turns out to be, you know, what Indy really, really takes in and really takes into account when he's guiding his men, right? And unfortunately, Albert Schweitzer gets taken by the French here. Right. And uh, there's this next, you know, scene where is Albert Schweitzer on that boat and he's like, He's a German in French territory. He's got to go. And, he, you know, they're starting to explain he's been here for four years. All he's been doing is helping people. Again, going back to kind of the reverse sort of role that Indy had at the beginning. Uh, it didn't matter if he was German. Um, Indy thought that he was just generally, you know, he was going to capture them. And that whole discussion of reverence for life, right? Like, you know, if I have the will to live, I want to be able to help other people um, endure that kind of uh, idea and that's why he helps all these people so they have the chance to continue uh, you know living after you know they've been injured or they're sick or something and same kind of idea here that India is like you've got someone who's helping all these people doesn't matter if he's German or not like you can't just take him away right I mean that's you know as they were just talking about how like you know people coming into other people's countries you know right before on their way to you know, save that guy, you know, they're like, you can't just, you know, it's not, it's not nice to go into another country and just take someone, you know, for no reason, like, that's what the French are kind of doing here, they're taking a German in, in French territory, even though he's not, you know, necessarily working for the German intelligence army, right? Right, especially, like, India is very fierce in this episode, like, he's very insistent, and I, I think, in a sense, you do kind of see that kind of idea of maturity, like, he really learns his lesson here, and, um, it, it's really kind of a, especially the scene when um, they, they, they look at um, everyone as they leave. You see uh, the, the one guy take off his hat and you can see like a tear coming out of his eye. I, I love that scene when just Indy and everyone else look at Albert Schweitzer leaving. Very emotional, powerful scene there. And, you know, I thought it was really kind of, you know, especially when an episode like this, you're kind of looking for a happy ending, you know, like with Major Boucher. Oh, you know, he'll kind of, you know, uh, relax and, you know, kind of make up with Indy. Um, nope, that didn't really happen here. You thought Albert Schweitzer, oh, you know, he's going to help all these people. You know, everything's going to be great. Nope, he got taken away at the end. I think it actually does work really well because I think it goes with this idea that Indy learns versus kind of like the duty uh, of the idea that Major Boucher wants to follow everything. Uh, you know, the, the sort of French officer who comes is just doing what he's told. You know, that kind of idea, I think, is really embedded well here. Yeah, definitely. It really is. And which I guess is what, you know, the the colonel in the beginning was kind of saying, you know, he's like, you need you need to, you could learn some discipline from Major Boucher and Major Boucher could, you know, learn to be a little bit uh, less uptight and, you know, 
kind of what Indy learns from made from uh, not maybe Drew Boucher, but Schweitzer is almost that. Yeah, that's definitely I think kind of an interesting point you bring up is like Albert Schweitzer does does definitely uh, give this kind of huge lesson to Indy, which I think is very very important and. Transitioning into the final scene when Indy and Remy go back to, I, I guess, headquarters or whatever, um, they explain that the guns are now going to be needed in Europe and transported there. And there's a scene where Indy is like, wait, all those lives for nothing. The whole expedition, like, what did we even do this for? We just lost so many human lives. And I really like the scene where he says, you know, why is this paper worth so much more? And just shoves all the paper and throws it off the desk. Really kind of great scene again. Showing Indy kind of a little bit more fierce here and a little bit more tough, but I do kind of like that he's almost using that uh, as kind of what he learned from Schweitzer in a sense. So I really kind of like at the end here that also you have kind of a, you know, um, kind of a bitter ending here where just, you know, things didn't turn out the way Indy wanted them and, you know, the whole expedition uh, turned out to be for nothing because they're just going to transfer the weapons over and they lost so many lives on that journey. Yeah, really. I mean, they did. And, you know, now Indy, you know, is kind of like, well... I did what I could, you know, he finally understands that there's nothing else he can do, you know, he stood up to Major Boucher, you know, he, he got the weapons, and now he's like, I, I, you know, I, I haven't necessarily lost a battle, but I also haven't won the battle, I guess you could say. Right, and I think what the, the, the real kind of takeaway from the expedition was what was not expected, and that was meeting Albert Schweitzer and learning kind of all these sort of um, stories and ideas of, you know, what it means to be a soldier and how are you going to take those lessons and apply them to your life. So really cool, I think, overall just dialogue with um, Albert Schweitzer and Indy. Again, when you think of a historical figure and like Indy learning from him, like th this definitely is not something that's like foreshadowed at all at the beginning or anything, really kind of unexpected and just kind of, uh, I think is is a really cool way to incorporate history into this episode. Definitely, it really is. You know, as we said before, Schweitzer is a very major historical figure in Indy. Throughout all these episodes, you know, meets many historical figures, and, you know, Schweitzer's just adding on to that list. Absolutely, and we transition into the last final scene here, uh, where Indy and Remy say goodbye to Schweitzer. And there's, again, kind of a little bit of a recap on, you know, Indy kind of mentions how he talked to them and, you know, they're not going to listen. And Schweitzer kind of mentioned, you know, that, again, that's you, you can't always have everything your way and that sort of thing. So kind of uh, kind of a reiteration of what Schweitzer and Indy talked about earlier. And uh, you see Schweitzer and uh, sail off into the sailboat and that last shot looking at Indy as we transition into the end credits, which is a great Bach piece, uh, but only to just a black screen, which... I actually kind of found disappointing. I really liked that they had the you know whole black and white, and I liked that they included it at the beginning. I'm not sure if there was some sort of like editing mistake or something, or something didn't work out. But kind of disappointing that we didn't see the you know regular black and white there uh, of the images. But still, nonetheless, a great episode as Schweitzer waves goodbye, and uh, we see Indy uh, standing there, you know, on the port at the end there. Well, you know what I. I don't think the black was an editing mistake, and I'll tell you why. I think if you look at almost every other indie episode, it ends with a happy-ish ending, right? But this one doesn't. It ends with a sad ending, and maybe they did the black screen kind of, you know, to honor Schweitzer almost. Yeah, kind of interesting. I, I think there may have been some sort of reason that they did, you know, the black screen, because, you know, I'm assuming that they had something that they could have put together there, so... Um, yeah, really kind of interesting. Maybe it was for the music aspect. Uh, again, something kind of cool. You may have heard a lot of the music in terms of like the JS Bach stuff. Um, apparently, Schweitzer was a huge fan of his music, and so that's why you heard those odes throughout the episode. Um, and speaking of this episode, 
uh, what do we think of this? Final thoughts on Chapter 11 here. Chapter 11 is got to be an episode that is, it's really worth remembering. I don't, it's really a great episode in my opinion, you know. Personally, I haven't watched this in a year and watching this again really was a wake up for me, you know. It really, it really was emotional to me and I really love this episode. I, I can't, I don't know why I haven't watched this more times than twice, but I, but I really should. It's a great episode, and I highly recommend it to anyone who's even remotely a little bit of an indie fan. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I think when I look at this episode, standing on its own, I mean, this is a masterpiece. I mean, just so many great things when you look at, like, historical figures, these themes, right? I mean, I love kind of the comparison here. I, I, I like to, almost like Major Boucher and Albert Schweitzer, complete opposite of characters, right? Um, I like that they did that. The battle at the beginning versus the talk of reverence for light at the end. Really awesome. Just great juxtapositions and themes and all sorts of stuff. Indy kind of has a lot of character development here. I mean, just so much to like. No, you're not getting uh, indie action that you saw in Phantom Train of Doom. You're not getting any of the traditional love stories. You're not getting a lot of humor. Um, and that's why I think some people kind of steer away from this episode. But when I look at this on its own and just kind of in the you know uh, realm of young indie kind of in that sort of spectrum this is i think a masterpiece of an episode it's really well done i have to agree with you i mean uh, i really can't say anything bad about this um the only criticism i have would i guess to be just this didn't really feel like indiana jones which is i think one of the reasons why this episode kind of falls a little bit on my list for me um you know on its own masterpiece of an episode compared to some of the other ones mm, i'm not really sure if this you know goes all the way to the top but still really well done emotional episode uh, great music as well and just uh, kind of an underrated, you know, uh, history lesson that I think is told well through the lens of Indiana Jones. Definitely. I mean, I agree it was not an indie adventure, but I think it was, well, I don't know if it was an indie adventure. It was a different style of indie adventure, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think this episode works well with, like, young Indiana Jones, but if you're talking about young Indiana Jones compared to the movies, yeah, this episode, I think, feels a little bit odd in that respect. But when I just look at young Indiana Jones in general, this is a great episode. I mean, really, really well done. Um, and I think that about wraps up today's episode. So uh, if you'd like today's episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and so many other platforms. Uh, we publish episodes every week so you can stay up to date on all of the variety of topics that we talk about here. Uh, if you want to learn more about our podcast, you can visit our website at www.theindianajonesuniverse.com. Uh, we've got lots of information there and a great links page if you want to learn more about expanded content in the Indiana Jones universe. And finally, to stay up to date on uh, announcements and be part of the indie community here, you can like us and follow us on Facebook at the Indiana Jones Universe Podcast, and there's lots of stuff that'll be going on over there. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so, so long, Dr. Jones. Jones.